Hello and welcome to the CBGS podcast brought to you by Aspen Waits. My name is Drew Armstrong. I'm going to be your host this week with Paul. And uh, we're going to have um, an episode this week about uh, uh, ways businesses can grow, um, generally through... Um, through growing. Through growing. <laughs> <laughs> and with a spin of like... Um, um, acquisitions, mergers, franchises, and organic growth in companies. So um, yeah, we'll start. We'll start right in. Um, I, I would say that most companies, when when they start, they'll start with organic growth before they before they even think about any of the other options. So um, that would also interesting. Would that gen- not not agree with that? <laughs> good good day, because obviously it could be any time in the world. Ah uh, uh, yes. Or indeed, if you're listening to this on another planet, then. <laughs> Hello to Proxima Centauri or something. Ah, the players yeah. are definitely yes. listening down. Um, so, just picking up on what Drew said, um, uh, as I said, I always find it interesting talking to Drew because <laughs> he he comes at things from a clearly from a layman's point of view, and um, so I suppose just responding to what he said, actually, um, it would be quite common uh, for a business to start up off the back of an acquisition. Oh, okay. Or a neo acquisition. So you think a about neo acquisition, neo, Ooh. akin to an acquisition, ah, okay. something like an acquisition, ah, okay. effectively an acquisition. Mm. Okay, mm. so let me give you an example. So um, someone, for, say, say McDonald's opens a new store mm-hmm. in Glastonbury, and you decided to be the guy that ran it. Mm-hmm. McDonald's is a franchise. Yeah. So you appreciate that. Yeah. So it's, it's a worldwide franchise. So. Uh, whoever takes over the franchise in Glastonbury, my conceptual thing here, would have to pay, I don't know, £200,000 or whatever yeah, it is to be yeah. the franchisor. Mm-hmm. And they pay, you know, I don't know, say 8% of the sales revenue over as a royalty or whatever mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. So your business career would effectively start off the back of an acquisition, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. People, for instance, often buy other people's businesses, don't they? That's yes. how they start. Yeah. Pubs, restaurants, hotels would be very common. <clears throat> you sell your pub to somebody else, that's an acquisition. Mm-hmm. So it'd be quite interesting to see the statistics. I, I would imagine uh, that probably it'd be something like, I would think, if, if, if we said there were something like two and a half million active trading companies mm-hmm. in the UK, and then there would be obviously another few hundred thousand um not companies, you know, partnerships and sole traders. So let's say there's three million just for the purposes of today. Then I would have thought that probably ten percent of those would have started off the back of a sort of an acquisition, perhaps. Ten percent. Perhaps. Okay. You know, that sort of that sort of ratio. So, so the greater number would do what you said. So the greater yeah. number would be Drew, Drew, for instance, uh, is a professional musician. He decides to start, gives up his job, starts playing his banjo, uh, <laughs> plying his banjo trade, uh, uh, becomes a business startup. Um, I don't know what the official statistics are, but um, you know, we're probably looking at uh, several hundred thousand startups in the UK every year. Mm, mm. Um, New and what I'm saying is that you know the vast majority of those obviously are traditional startups off the back of starting with nothing mm-hmm. and um, what would you say the benefits are of um, say starting your own company like with, in that organic approach compared to um, say like a franchise 
Um, like for me, it would be more like you have more control over that company. Obviously, you are, you have complete control over the things you do with that. In there's a lot of limitations if you do it for a franchise, maybe. That's, uh, that's, that's an interesting. Um, well, interesting you obviously angle. have to follow the rules of what the franchise say. You you need yeah, to sell you... like this or use this brand or work like. One of the this. things that's quite interesting, listeners, is uh, Drew, myself, Carly, Ross, and Drew's sister Sherelle. Uh, uh, undertook a, a sort of a personality profile sort of psychometric testing thing yeah creativity uh, and it was quite staggering actually because the range of outcomes where you could be an adventurer a dreamer visionary uh, I think it was an artistic one a visionary a producer a, a thinker, thinker. Mm. There were, that's another one as well and um, and what was absolutely uncanny was that we were all exactly what we should have been yeah, and we were all different well, no, that's exactly. We are all different. That's yeah, the whole yeah, point. no. So, it came so right out Drew like came out as a dreamer. What a surprise! <laughs> Carly was a producer. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure about Ross being a thinker. I think that was probably a bit bit warped with that one. But there we are. <laughs> Should be lack of thinker. I think. Uh, of course, I came out as a visionary, which I was very very pleased. With. And 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 it came out with a very good personality profile with it, didn't it? Mm. Which is very interesting. The reason I mentioned that is so uh, what Drew's forgetting in his comments there, perhaps. Is and it comes back to something I'm always banging in on about: know your client, know your client, know your client. So know your client. Just to re- recap, people, know your client is in two parts. Effectively, you need to understand what the business is trying to do, what the business does. You also need to understand the people behind the business. Okay, right. Someone like me, for mm-hmm. instance, a visionary type person, uh, someone who. Uh, what did, what did Mark Carey call me yesterday? A lone wolf. Mm. That's one of the things he said. He said, uh, so his point was he wanted me to be less of a lone wolf, I think that was the point. But someone like me uh, would would probably be much happier starting off Aspen Way. And, so for instance, let's take, let's take this week. You know, one thing I'm happy, um, happy to tell you, huh. happy listeners, is I've come up this week with the concept of happy business. Mm. And we're actually going to really embrace that in our, our new office in the south. A uh, which is yeah. So we've got uh, we've got a, a whole new brand now, which is called Happy IP. And I bought so I set up two companies yesterday. One called Happy IP Limited, and the other one's called the Happy Company Limited. Mm-hmm. So I there, as a rather quirky, eccentric visionary, can basically do what the hell I like. I don't give a shit whether ninety nine percent of people think it's a stupid idea, you know. Uh, I can call my company happy this and happy that, and I'm going to. Mm. Uh, on the other hand, if you look at some personalities, they would look at what you said about that entirely differently. So what you get with with McDonald's, you've got a worldwide accepted name. Yeah. Probably the most accepted name in the world, you could argue. Mm. Coca-Cola, McDonald's, right up there. McDonald's, uh, and the whole point of McDonald's is, this is what's supposed to happen. If you walk in Beijing... Budapest, yeah, exactly New York, same. Paris, London, mm. you're supposed to have the same experience. Mm. So a Big Mac is a Big Mac, and of course in France is Le Big Mac. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, what you see is what you get. It's replicates yeah. over and over again. Everything is the same. Everything. We have to wear everything. Nothing is different. Nothing at all. Not even one little minuscule old thing is different. Mm. So if you are a Ross type person, say, or possibly even a Carly type person, that may be something you would crave. The thought of being like me would be terrifying. Mm, you know, yeah. you've got proven market, proven yeah. customers, Customer less risk. 
Yeah. What 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 I suppose uh, is interesting this because uh, Drew and I have now um, had several podcasts, uh, you know, and I never know where he's coming from and what we're going to be doing next. But one thing that just struck me while I was looking at him was um, essentially the debate about whether to buy or to grow is essentially one to do with risk. Mm, so mean? if you set up on your own equals higher operational risk. Yeah. You don't have proven customers. You have to go out and build your business. Hard graft. It's, it's, yeah, it, it, it's hard graft, but it's also more risky because you don't necessarily know where you're... You don't necessarily know where... I've just had my phone ringing. It comes from someone saying, not sure, which is... Um, <laughs> Sometimes when someone rings me and I, I, give, I, I don't like it to put, so I, put, I, I give, so I don't know who it is. So I put not sure. So Mister Not Sure is ringing me at the moment. Um, you saved it, is that? Yeah. <laughs> that? That's very me, Mr. isn't not it? Sure. Yeah. I've got one that says maybe Mark Kerry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> is that is that exciting? We're going to get told off by um, Calf Lord Green for being unprofessional now. <laughs> um, so yeah, so. If you buy uh, McDonald's, you've got much lower uh, operate, operating risk. You obviously have to commit to uh, probably quite a substantial investment. I'm better out of touch with, I'm guessing, you know, probably £200,000 or something. Mm. Um, you know, uh, and what, what typically happens with franchises is you then uh, pay some sort of management fee. You get a whole load of goodies for your money, mm. you know. Mm. Um, and then... To some extent, your success and theirs are inextricably linked. So uh, you have, you know, what effectively is a turnover charge. Mm. So if, um, so I'd say typically, if a business turned over a million pounds uh, in a franchise, it probably would pay 8% or £80,000 of that to the franchisor. Mm. So you've got lower risk, but you've also got lower return. Mm. Uh, it's, 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 it's less of a risk because... Um, you've got um, you know proven concept McDonald's working all over the world you know what you're going to get but obviously the upside is that you're giving away a chunk of your profit to somebody else yeah and it's like you you are losing control of like what say you would want to do in a business oh, yeah, but, they, but some people don't want to do that do they no it's just easy that's what it's I like say you're working for someone else really you're just like would it not feel like that a little bit do you think or? I don't know I mean I we, we, we act for um, a number of subway franchises for instance and uh, they're actually quite entrepreneurial oh, type okay. people I would have said mm-hmm. um, I mean I think you know I, I've, I've never I've never talked to any of them feeling that they were different in their outlook to anybody else actually mm-hmm. um, just seen as an opportunity of, um... I mean I think there's another you know, another way of looking at, at the whole thing is Business. So, if you look at a business, it's, it's there's several areas to a business. Aren't there? You've got the administration and the finance and the mm-hmm. accounts. You've then got potentially, let's say it's now it's a company making sausages. You've then got the production side producing the sausages. You've got the operational side, production side manufacturing. Uh, you've got the ICT side, the system side, haven't you? Mm-hmm. You've got the selling, um, market sales and marketing. So. Some people, so what, what normally happens in a business, particularly one that's organic, uh, the people running that business or the person tend to have quite narrow skill sets. Right. So Specialised in that area. Well, no, they're, they're good at making sausages. Yeah. Or they're good at making cakes. Mm-hmm. Or playing the guitar. Mm-hmm. 
bloody useless businessmen quite often <laughs> or people you know mm. got no idea how to run a business or how to take their sausages to market but they can mm. make bloody good sausages mm. Mm. so so one attraction of say uh, something like a franchise would be you don't have to worry about that stuff as much so certain <laughs> aspects of business I'll take them up careful yeah, you're worried exactly, aren't they yeah. so you don't need to worry about the paperwork because mm. the paperwork all the McDonald's paperwork is the same mm. uh, the supply chain is the same um so to some extent um, they have a proven method that's set up yeah. that they just go there you go that'll get you sales yeah so I think you know so, so uh, like most things uh, a lot of decisions are functional functional uh, functionalities of risk mm-hmm. so uh, I think what you decide to do is is to some extent um, dependent on the sort of person you are then of course you know uh, as we've discussed before uh, a lot of people start up businesses and they really shouldn't mm. because they're just not cut out for that mm. I think the thing the thing that always strikes me the most as someone who I'd say my default position was customer service mm-hmm. you know the customer always comes right you know you've got to provide the best customer journey you can you know we discussed this before how many times do you go into a shop a hotel a bar and the people actually are remotely interested in you mm. and you think why on earth have you got a business mm. you know you really don't care about your customers at all so with the uh... The point in time, say say if you're an organic, um, you, you're a company that's grown organically and you've got some kind of level of success. Um, if we think about, say, acquisitions or mergers, uh, when would be the top point in time where um, a company may be thinking about uh, that that kind of thing, like a like an acquisition of an? Because that's obviously another method of growth. When would company. be an appropriate time to make an acquisition? Yeah. Um, well, that's that's a. An interesting question. I mean, I don't think there's a there's a a, a pat answer to that. Mm. If you know what I mean. But you obviously uh, have had to reach some kind of level of a success within your own company. Um, um, well, it depends, isn't it? Or you could use it, I suppose, as a method of. You know, my favourite word is always depends. So, yeah. You know, some people have a lot of money, don't they? Mm-hmm. So, I've never had a lot of money, so I've not had that luxury. But if you were someone who had a lot of money or were supported by someone that had a lot of money, or your parents were totally behind you and they were loaded, mm-hmm. then you wouldn't necessarily approach things like you're saying, would you? Mm. You know, you could, you could, you can fast track things. Oh, maybe yeah. quite an, it might, maybe quite an interesting thing to do, uh, to talk honestly about Aspen weight. Mm. So Aspen weight was formed, um, off the back of, uh, some degree of risk. I had to borrow money, to, to start it off which I paid back over seven years and um, mainly because of my bank manager at the time a guy called David Audington who I love dearly at Barclays he was a very big influence on me but very canny and dour I'd say dour Scott mm. uh, uh, because of him uh, Aspen Weight started off life very much uh, safe a safe and solid place okay um, it grew organically. Mm-hmm. It didn't, you know, didn't do anything wild and ambitious. Um, probably the first, the first thing I did, which I was happy with, I bought a flat in Leon Solent, right? Uh, which is um, beautiful uh, seaside place uh, near Portsmouth. Mm. Um, and I did that because I was picking up a lot of clients in that area and I wanted to say to them, hey, I'm making a commitment. Mm. Yeah, that was why I did that. So, it's, mm. so, so I suppose we've actually, I've introduced another angle there you may not have thought of. 
So that was sort of like opening an office, wasn't it? But mm-hmm. it, yeah, I had somewhere I could go to. Um, another base hub. Yeah, another base hub. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it was quite a strong thing to do. Um, also, I think you know, upon with hindsight, just goes to show the sort of commitment you have to make as a business owner. Because obviously, you know, for for a large chunk of my life, I was away from home for one to two nights every week. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we carried on, and then till uh, two thousand and three, I think it was. Um, so two, the first ten years, totally organic, mm-hmm. and then um, in two two thousand and three, uh, we set up. We, well, we bought a freehold property in Fairham. Right. Didn't buy a practice. We bought a property. Right. Okay. Bought a property. I recruited. Uh, a so what, I, I would say this is more organic growth still. Then, yeah. if it's if it's, it's, it, it's you, yeah, you, you, I, you're you're acquiring yeah, property. Yeah, well, just, yeah, 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 yeah. But it's 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 sort of organic with a twist, isn't it? Mm, mm. So we bought a freehold property in Fairham. Still had the flat in Leon Solent. Mm-hmm. Um, I built up an office, and I think at its peak, that office probably had about ten people in it. Right. You know, at, at its greatest moment, um, and then. Um, Say what happened first, then just around the same time, I can't remember, you know, sort of around 2003 to six. Um, I don't know why, really. Uh, that's right, I, I, I had a change of bank manager, and the new bank manager was much more, you know, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? You know, mm-hmm. not like uh, that where Mr. David, and um, it was like chalk and cheese to be honest with you. And I'd rather have had the chalk with, with oh, okay. hindsight because, yeah. so the new bank manager was very much, you know. Encourage, encouraging and... well why don't you go and do this why don't you go do this I'm going to stop you doing this you know and of course the, the thing was especially in the early days that um, borrowing money from Barclays was never a problem oh okay just lent it and lent and lent it to me until the recession happened and then it was like Ooh. you bastard you've borrowed all this money from us you know yeah well that's a very good way of putting it actually and um with the bank manager's support, uh, I bought a practice in Wellington, which we still have, called Doyle's. Mm. Tony Doyle, in fact, still works part-time for us. So, th- so this was more of an acquisition, like a takeover of another practice? It was an acquisition. It was? Yeah. Yeah. Pure acquisition. Yeah. Uh, okay. So um, can we just, uh, just for my benefit and the listeners' benefit, like, uh, talk a little bit um, about the difference, say, between like, an acquisition and like, a merger? Because you said Doyle's then. Um, uh, is there a difference? Or what do you is, mean? Um, between an acquisition yeah, and course. a merger, yeah. It's an acquisition. So there was a business called Doyle's Chartered Certified Accountants. Yeah. Aspen Weight bought Doyle's. Mm-hmm. And Doyle's became part of Aspen Weight. Right, okay. Doyle's so, ceased to exist. So so it's uh, it's when you take out, like over 50% of like the shareholding of the company or, or 100% of the, the well, shareholdings yeah. well, and then the merger would more be like yeah, 50 wouldn't necessarily 50. have to buy all of it but in this yeah. case we bought all of it oh okay Tony wanted to retire which is quite a laugh really considering he's still working for us <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah. yeah so Tony sold his business to us we bought it and off we went mm. uh, a merger um, is interesting because quite often um, people people dress things up to be mergers and they're not oh okay it's not really a merger at all it's a takeover Mm. um mergers are extremely common in the professional environment Mm -hmm. so accountants and lawyers right um it's in fact that's why you always fit they'll get the two names in the (laughs) (laughs) what a very interesting insight um so you, you 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 find all the time that the uh 
particularly let's take you know, the top 100 accountants or something I, I know a lot about um, you'll often find you know um, the 30th biggest firm merges with the 11th biggest firm to become the 8th biggest firm mm-hmm. and the 43rd biggest firm merges with the 28th biggest firm to become the 20th biggest firm mm-hmm. uh, on the whole so this is this is very prevalent happens a huge amount and I think is uh, I predicted is going to increase um Quite interesting, actually. The number of chartered accountancy firms in the UK has sustainably reduced by about 10% year on year for the last seven or eight years. Um, so there's probably something like 300 firms disappearing every year. That doesn't mean to say that they're failing, necessarily. Obviously, some of that is people merging. Mm. So um, so why do people merge? People merge because, um, on the whole, I'd say, especially with lawyers and accountants, there's a, often a feeling that sort of bigger is better. Yeah, you know, uh, if you've got a company turning over thirty million and a company turning over twenty million, they've got now got a company turning fifty million. Mm. That's better than than where they were, you know. Um, there could be some truth in that. Obviously, you know, you could have things like probably have more offices, mm. uh, have more representation across the UK. Perhaps um, the two businesses, you know, may have certain specific skills, which you know, put together will enhance both businesses. Yeah. Um, Again, it comes back to the risk thing. Perception, on the whole, people merge because of risk. Okay. Yeah, so, on the whole, they do it because they perceive that's a better place to be. It's a, it's a safer, Safe. lower-risk place to be. At the very lower end of the fish, fish tank, the fish at the bottom, um, there are a huge number of sole practitioners you know, turning over you know, probably between forty and £100,000, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's an increasingly lonely place to be in this... I mean, the amount of bureaucracy now, even compared to when I started, it's just ridiculous, to be honest with mm. you. Know? Um, so being on your own and having to cope with that. Mm. So you find, for instance, you know, a huge number of um, smaller accountants have stopped auditing a long time ago just because trying to keep up to date with it is just almost yeah. impossible, you know? Yeah. So, so a merger, normally, normally, I say, normally would involve no, no money passing, Oh, okay. So, uh, company A and company B get together. They decide to form, you know, a B star company. Mm. Um, and on the whole, what would happen is, uh, you know, so if, if we make it really easy, if there were two shareholders, Mister A and Mister B, um, and they decide that um, A is A is is worth, you know, is is uh, say is 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 ten million pounds of value, and B is five. Then A would have two thirds of the shares and B would have one third. Mm. That's how it would work. Mm. Simple as that. Quite often, people talk about merging when actually the other company's taking them over. That's quite common. That it's really for, for face, you know, and than anything else. But obviously, merger is a very good way of growing, reducing risk without necessarily having to commit to capital. Yeah. Mm. That seems like a quite a beneficial way of doing it. Um, well, I I I, I have uh, okay, so I'm very well placed to talk about this because obviously, I would I would regard myself as a mergers, acquisitions, and disposals expert. Mm. And um, at the low point in Aspen Waite's life, um, my bank told me to go and see if I could sell Aspen Waite. Mm. So I actually uh, I had to go and do that. If only you know they basically said we want you to do do it. So I I actually do spoke. And- no, no. So I actually had to go and talk to other firms about do you want to do you want to take take me over? Oh wow! You know, 
Uh, I also got potentially headhunted by a large firm to be their head of marketing for the UK mm. on the basis I was considered to be the best marketing accountant in the country, allegedly. Um, so, um, yeah, so uh, I, I actually had to sit in front of, um, I, I'd actually say quite often lesser people than me who considered themselves to be very important and all that, you know. Mm. Um, and, of course, ultimately, uh, from my point of view, the reason why... In fact, there is one company which remained nameless that I would have joined if they had played by my rules. Mm. Um, but I think one of the things you've got to promise yourself is you've got to have a bit of respect, self-respect, and, you know... Uh, I think something like, you know, joining another firm, things have got to be absolutely spot on, especially someone like me who's almost unemployable, yeah. you know? Um, so ultimately, um, it was quite useful, actually, because I got to meet... Um, several several people in other firms uh in fact there's one guy who shall remain nameless who uh i don't particularly like in terms of his attitude that came quite close to taking us over and i use him as a positive stimulus mm. i sit and i think i'm gonna be bigger than him <laughs> seriously it's quite a big thing to me you know i sit and i look at what they're doing and i think i can i can do i can i'd do better than that mm. um so ultimately, you know, um, it comes it comes back to what is important to you, you know. So many people at my age, for instance, would be winding down now and saying, you know, let's let's go and grow some marrows and mm-hmm. sit on a beach. Um, in which case, you you would be making lower risk decisions. Uh, in my case, I've only just started, mm-hmm. so my perspective to risk and what I'm doing is completely different, isn't it? So. Mm-hmm. It all comes down to Drew. All, all the thing it comes back to the sort of person you are and what your objectives are. You know what what success means to you. All those sort of things, mm-hmm. and and how much money you've got, of course. Yeah. So that would be most of the. Um, well, yeah, it depends on the reason why you would consider selling your company. Maybe it's it's come you're coming to the end of your career, or or, uh, or something like that. You know, or um... I mean, passing on you know personal experience. So. Uh, the Doyle's acquisition um, has been relatively successful. Um, we did um, we did uh, experience uh, what you might call a, a management betrayal or something, which still hurts to this day, which ripped the guts out of the business a bit. So that was a bit of a an experience to go through. Um, and then, of course, we 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 made you know what has to be said to be a disastrous uh, acquisition right. um, of a business. Um, in Somerset uh, the guy who owned it phoned me up and said he particularly wanted me to buy it um, at that time I didn't have anybody in my management team with the balls to stand up you know and be counted right. I can remember calling a meeting in Southampton and there were probably eight or nine other people in the room with me and I basically said um, you know I want all the people involved in Aspen Way if they want you know they can be involved in this acquisition Um and I desperately wanted somebody in the room to say, no, we shouldn't be doing this. But nobody did. Mm. So we bought a business, and this is the point, we bought a business that was totally ill-suited to us, it turned out. Um, and probably we, we, I, made every mistake somebody could make in taking over a business. The business was so different to ours culturally. Right. So we were talking about smaller type clients, uh, very informal. Uh, the owner 
was quite a big drinker, had very close sort of drinking type relationships with his clients. Um, the fees didn't make any sense really. You know, they whatever he decided over a point he was going to set with them. Mm. It just didn't fit into our world. We had a period of about a year where it appeared to be a great success that we, on the face of it, you know, drove turnover up. And then, of course, uh, an awful lot of the clients started saying, um, started complaining. Mm. And, um, and the whole thing just fell apart. And we ended up with the previous owner almost warring against us, mm. which left a bit of a bad taste. Um, lots of unpleasant meetings with people. Um, and ultimately, um, of course, we we ended up closing that office down. Mm. And that whole decision was, would probably have cost us three hundred thousand pounds, I reckon. Wow! You know, over its over its over its career. Mm. So it's like that. That makes you think. If you're thinking about an acquisition, like the kind of due diligence that you need to do into that company um, that you're that you're thinking about um, taking over, or the reason you're doing it, like so. So the the reason for that. Um, I can see it kind of two ways in my head so it would either be if you were thinking about an acquisition it would be to um, facilitate the organic growth that's already happening within your company or it's to get more growth so like why, why would you do you know what I mean like would you would you would you get them to to help you with the organic growth that's already happening or you could take over some of these clients and 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 you know you're already established firm um, you know, would you say that the reason for an acquisition would have fell in either of those courts for for the ones that we've done with Aspen Weight? Well, I think um, you make an acquisition because um, it's obviously a, it's a it's a it's a clear, an obvious way of growing, and um, in both in all the acquisitions we've made, they've all been in new geographical markets. Yeah. In fact, as you know, we're Actually, I never thought I'd make an acquisition again, but there's a practice um, on the market right in an area that I want to be, have an office in. Mm, mm. Um, so my, my my desire for this office is, is I would say, strategic. Okay. It's a word I would use. To some extent, the fees are irrelevant. Mm. You know? To open up the market in that area first. Well, I've got... I mean, the reason I've decided... you know, And I'm not saying this is a clear-cut decision, by the way. Mm. Reason I've decided to buy this practice is something between intuitive and opportunistic mm. and strategic all put together. Mm. So, in my judgment, if we have a base of clients, so I like where that I, I really like where the office is, mm. uh, particularly you know, both in terms of the town and the office. You know, it's like in a, a sciency park type place. Mm. Um, so, there's a lot of potential in terms of you know what we could do with it, which is a lot different. So my perception is I can do a lot better with that practice than the current bloke could, who's uh, basically okay. gone into retired mode for some time. Mm. Um, because it's an area that we're quite active in anyway, I'm very hopeful that with uh, a bit of drive, we've also got strategic partners very close. Mm. In fact, I had a meeting uh, two days ago and one of my closest strategic partners has actually agreed to work in the office with us full time. Oh, wow. Which is a real, real bonus. And as you know... We're we're going to turn it into a happy office, mm-hmm. um, which is which is really cool. So um, the acquisition is happening because it gives us a clear uh, base of clients, hopefully ones that will appreciate 
uh, the, the, the extra love we're going to give them. Uh, hopefully we can add value, sell more services to them than the current owner is able to do uh, and creates a base for expansion and, and, and I suppose a, a, um, a place of our own really to go to, you know, mm. um, in the area. So, you know, that's, 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 that's what I think anyway. Ah, nice. <clears throat> and like, um, I know you said uh, it was, it was kind of a, a bit of a disaster with the other one with the, the, like, um, the way it w- didn't fit with our company culture and all of that kind of thing. So, um, how, how do you go about, um, that when you when you have a new acquisition like bringing them into alignment with your company because they're always going to be a little bit different I, I can imagine um, is that a <coughs> well you know I mean one of the things you, you know one of the things that um, one of the reasons why I think I'm a particularly good advisor now is is I'm always saying to people there's probably nothing at all that they could be thinking of doing that I haven't done and mm. probably in some cases done quite badly <laughs> Uh, one of the legacies we we um, still have today, uh, as a result of you know, weakness on my part or whatever, is you know there's at least one office in Aspenway that doesn't really tow the, the, the company line. Mm. Um, you know it's a bit of a maverick office, shall we say? Uh, causes me a disproportionate amount of worry in that respect. Um, so my reaction to that is, uh, you know, from now on. There is the Aspen Wake way. There is the Aspen Wake way. There is no other way. Mm. This is the way, you know. Yeah. So, um, in fact, with the new office that I'm talking about, um, we're talking about that office hopefully being uh, the blueprint. Ah, okay. You know, it's not just following. It's actually going to lead. Yeah. You know, we're going to do everything in that office like I want to do business. Mm. Like I was starting up business today. Mm. I was starting business today on the basis of everything I've learned. What would I do? Mm. And that's what we're going to do there. Yeah, not opportunity to start scratch with it. <laughs> one, one thing um, I suppose I'll we'll say um, to make the most of this program, as Drew's opened up this issue, um, other reasons why people make acquisitions are quite important. I think to to come to mind. One is sometimes uh, people buy other people's businesses to eliminate them as a threat. Oh, okay, yeah. <clears throat> uh, take them off the market. Yeah, uh, that, like that a happens. Competitor. Yeah, 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 yeah. That happens quite a lot. Ah. Yeah, particular, or you know, or, or, or somebody that might become a threat mm. could be uh, the other thing people do quite often is they take te- technology off the market. Oh wow! Mm. So a business has got some, you know, and it's a threat to the market of this giant or whatever, and they get rid of it. You know, mm. the other thing which I think I ought to mention for com- like that. The, th- <laughs> the other thing I ought to mention out of completeness, you know, in terms of you know, we're supposed to be advising in this podcast is. Um, You've got um, businesses that come out for sale because they're distressed. Mm-hmm. Distressed all the way through to terminally ill, mm. um, which could even be liquidation. So obviously, um, you know, unfortunately, a lot of businesses fail or nearly fail every year. Uh, I'm particularly interested in what I call the corporate recovery market, which is saving them. Mm-hmm. But you know, the way I tend to put it is, um, you know, if you had cancer, hopefully... You'll get over it, but if you do end up dying, uh, you die with a glass of whiskey and a cuddle. <laughs> you know what I mean? As opposed to being shot by like others, you know, yeah, being put down like uh, yeah. So, so um, yeah. So obviously, uh, you get uh, there's, a, there's a guy called Hanson. Probably he's not so relevant today, but you know, if, if, in, in my young days, uh, Hanson <clears throat> was like um, you know, uh, hugely successful businessman. 
who was extremely ruthless and his model revolved around asset stripping, buying companies and ripping them apart. Oh, okay. Yeah, not very nice, really. Mm. Um, I, I don't have an ounce of ruthlessness in my body, unfortunately. Mm. Unfortunately, so I don't. So he would like kind of take vulnerable businesses and just get. Well, not necessarily, not even necessarily vulnerable. You know, he'd buy the business and he'd rip it apart. Mm. Asset stripping as well. He take ripped. You know, so there were things. Assets. There were there were there were there were assets in the company that mm. he wanted. Um, so he wasn't buying the business because he wanted it to carry on and be fluffy and lovely and give people jobs for ten years. He basically mm. was looking at it. Brutally, you know, almost like it was a commodity sort of thing, you know. Oh wow! Yeah, because I suppose if you like the way you're saying it, like um, uh, help helping a company that's in distress, then if you can turn it around, then it, you know, using your skills (coughs) and your expertise, then it's going to be it's going to be a really positive thing for both of you. Yeah, so there's two different things here, isn't there? So we have to some extent. Um, managed to build up a portfolio of investments of businesses are who are in a distressed or neo distressed mm-hmm. situation that we're helping on the road to recovery, and then of course there the, some of those businesses um, effectively get taken over, mm. so they become cheaper uh, acquisition target, shall we say? Mm. Um, and that's a different one because that's not necessarily in your mar- market segment or accountancy or something. This is. Oh, well, that may not be. Yeah, that, that, that is true. Um, mm. I mean, obviously, again, yeah, for, the, for the purpose of completeness, another reason why um, somebody might make an acquisition, that's, so that's, again, you know, nothing better than talking about yourself, is there? So if you look at Aspen Weight, um, as you know, Drew, I'm uh, particularly with your with your significant contribution, one has to mm-hmm. say. Now, as I was saying to Mark Carey and Steve Charter yesterday, you know, who would have thought that a, a 59-year-old man would grow more to a 28-year-old lad than the other way around, you know? So you've completely changed the way I look at everything, you know? Mm. So, you know not a bad legacy for a mixed-up shaman, but there we are. <laughs> uh, and one of the things that, um, you know, which this podcast embodies is that I'm hugely committed to media now. Mm. Uh, you know, media and, um, uh, and marketing, you know, there's, there's no doubt the the place I feel the most comfortable in Aspen Way is sitting down in the marketing room. You know, I like the people; they have a good effect on me. Not not very good for everyone else because I tend to be very naughty and <laughs> say lots of silly things. And but nonetheless, it's true. And um, you know, as I said to Ross um, Ross Curry uh, recently in a meeting, I said, you know, in Paul's heaven. Uh, the whole of Ruber's house, which is our head office, would be full with marketing people if it was down to me. You know, we'd have such a massive marketing thing. So one of the things that I've always had in my mind that probably I will do is take over something like a digital marketing company. Mm. Uh, so that's another reason for an acquisition. So what, why would I do that? Because it, it gives me genuine presence in a market I want to be in. Mm. Mm. Now... What happens a lot, so let's take, again, let's take Mark Kerry as a good example. So I had a fabulous meeting with him yesterday. What I like about Mark is he's he's not afraid to challenge, but he comes out the challenge from uh, a lot of integrity and, and, a, and a shared painful journey. In fact, we were talking about the concept of bruised apples yesterday, you know. A lot of a lot of aspirin weight people are bruised apples, you know. Um, and very much what, what Mark's done, which is fantastic and, and, and it's been a, a big feature of the aspirin weight world, is Mark's come along and met us and thought, yeah, I like this. Um, 
And he's then made, you know, quite a brave decision, but a quite a smart one, I think, which is, uh, I don't want to be doing things on my own. Mm. I don't want to be doing, you know, half of what I do with Paul and half of what I do on my own. So he's basically decided to do all of what he wants to do with us, you know? Mm -hmm. So that means, you know, his business is like Roulette Media and, well, you know very well because he's a big big fan of yours. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, if we had a different word to merger, a word that rules my world is collaboration. Mm -hmm. So I think businesses, businesses, the smart way to grow a business is through collaborating. Um, And you can collaborate in lots of different ways. You can... Mm -hmm. You can have neo partnerships or partnerships. You know, you basically get together with other people in a similar space. So take Happy IP. Mm. What is Happy IP? Happy IP is Aspen Weight plus Cresco plus Kohler. Mm. You know, coming together to to, as I said to Lawrence, uh, who's the head of of Kohler, in our meeting the other day, uh, he was talking quite rightly that that Kohler were very best advice driven that quite often he says that he says things to clients which a lot of professionals wouldn't do. Like, you know, it basically dissuades them from spending money on patents because they don't have the money. Mm-hmm. And I said, stop. Mm-hmm. I said, if that was a happy IP meeting, that's not what you would say. Mm-hmm. Because what you're doing at the moment, quite rightly, is you're looking at a situation very narrowly from Kohler IP's point of view. However, if Paul Waite was there... Paul Waite will be sitting there going, hang on a minute, I can get these people a 20 grand R&D tax credit. Mm, mm. You know? So I said, you get, you obviously get a much more, maybe that Joe Derbyshire can get a 50 grand grant or, you know, whatever. Mm. So I said, the happy IP solution would not be the same as Coda's solution. Mm. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, it'd be all your thoughts coming together. Mm. Yeah, you're offering a much more powerful package. Mm. Um Obviously, you know, to make that work, you know, it requires a lot of training, uh, joining up a culture. Yeah. You know, so I'm talking about <clears> there, a very interesting thing about launching uh, what I call an accredited IP program. So people basically become uh, accredited advisors in intellectual property. Mm. So effectively, you, do, you know, it doesn't matter which company you come from, you can go into a meeting and you can talk about everything. Mm. And this, um, <clears throat> like, say, trusted partners kind of thing, yeah. that would be more on a um, mutual collaboration between uh, the the businesses, but not so much on like a legal, like uh, you know, um, like a like a merger or. A well, you know, um, obviously, you know, um, uh, collaboration can go from a handshake, which mm-hmm. often is what happens with me. Yeah, uh, a handshake all the way through to a formal, uh, a formal uh, share share swap or acquisition as you say or or something in between i mean you know as you know our uh, so our world is based around collaboration uh, a simple concept of people working together to mutual benefit mm-hmm. for instance you know by people recommending us they're giving their their clients or their friends better advice informing them of something they don't necessarily know about uh, but also improving their loss at the same time uh, one of the things i often say to people is people don't mind me having 10 pounds if they have two Mm-hmm. It's very much how our world works. So we have, you know, hundreds of introducers agreements as a, as a legal agreement. Mm-hmm. So there's a regulated agreement between us and the introducer, for instance. So that's a, a sort of a legal embodiment of um, of collaboration. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and then we ha- we do have partnership agreements, and then we have businesses where we don't, you know, that it isn't necessarily appropriate to have a formal agreement. Mm-hmm. We start working very closely with a big firm that in theory is competing with us, but both I and the 
leader of the other firm um, are not afraid of competition, I would say, and big characters. Mm. In fact, one of my new slogans is Paul and Aspen Wake taking the fear out of business. Mm. So I rather like that. Mm. Don't be afraid. <laughs> ah, nice. Yeah, so, so maybe a little bit of advice for listeners. Um, look, look at how you can collaborate within your business with, with other people. Always. Could, yeah. Could mutually benefit. It doesn't always have to be an acquisition like in that in the way that you think it's, it's thinking it as a collaboration. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, you know, as the whole concept of your, of your meeting today is about growth, um, you know, if you look at what we've done, and I was, funny enough, I just had Gary White flash into my mind. Uh, scary thing, Gary, so don't do that again. Um, <laughs> Gary is a very strong character, very uh, single-minded, knows what he's doing, a lot of experience, good and bad. So this is a London office. Aspen if you like, White. yeah. Yeah. Um, Gary, um, you know, as I say, is a very strong man, uh, you know, with his own mind. You know, he's not the sort of person you could easily influence other than, you know, he he, he likes, uh, I think, the Aspen Way energy and um, probably the analogy about the bird being allowed to fly would apply uh, very well to, to him. Um, and he would be, you know, he's a good example of um, me as Robin Hood having another Robin Hood join the band, if you like. Mm. So, you know, what we've got, we've got, as you know, you've got your, your Mark Carey's and, um, you know, and all the sort of um, people like John O and Rona that used to work in the business growth service. So, you know, one way, one good way of growing is is, 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 is coming across people with talent and saying, hey, you, come and get in my wagon. Mm. You know, so what we've got now is we take yourself, you know, um, through, uh, a, you know, a reasonably small amount of money in the scheme of things, a big thing to you. Um, you know, you have, you have on your own completely transformed Aspen Wake's ideology, haven't you? Mm. You know, um, so, you know, turning that around, you know, obviously I can look back, look back now and say that was a really great thing to do because, um, you were like a, um, a stimulus to, to go down a direction that yeah. we may not have gone down. And now everything looks completely differently to me to, to, to how mm. it did. So I think, um, I think uh, the way I look at it is rather, rather than... Obviously, I, I appreciate Aspen Wake is, is, is going to grow sustainably for many, many years. But my, my comments and views on growth are not really uh, driven by money. Mm-hmm. They're more, probably if anything, they're driven by aspiration and uh, my belief that I genuinely want to change the way business is done in Britain. Mm. You know, I hate things like injustice. I do want everyone to be well advised. Um, when I stand up and say I want us to be the leading from advisors, I mean that. Mm. Clearly, you know, as as Simon Buck quite rightly observed, if you're going to stand up and say something, you've got to appreciate that there's a, you know, what that that means. You know, what does that mean? And it probably means turning over about twenty five million pounds at least to get there. Mm-hmm. So I accept that I need to do that, yeah. but it doesn't obsess me. It's not. Yeah. I'm not doing it for that. If that makes sense. Twenty five million isn't the obsessive driver behind that idea. It's, it's quite. It's quite a hard thing. You know, people. It's interesting. Rachel Wood sent me an email recently. You know, and I. Rachel's a very important person to me because, um, to, to some extent, um, my whole 
everything I do, like even today, is responding to you. If, if you see me telling jokes, my jokes don't tend to be ones I've made up sitting at home. They are reacting to mm-hmm. something somebody said. Yeah. You know, when I talk, I like to feed off the energy of the crowd. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's the sort of person I am. So people like R- Rachel are incredibly important to me because she's very attentive, very um, enthusiastic, you know, got a lot of energy. And um, I think she finds me sort of quite fascinating, you know, for reasons she probably doesn't totally understand. And, um, you know, she sent me an email the other day, sort of, you know, uh, be really interesting to understand your processes, Paul, you know, how you go about this, because you do, you do so much, you know, I, 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 I really get lost in how you manage to do it. And, mm. you know, um, so I'd be really interested in how you regiment this and process it. And as I went back to him, I said, it's not remotely who Paul is. Yeah. You know, Paul doesn't, Paul doesn't um, work like that. You know, what I, what I do is it's just, Often, I don't even know what I'm going to say myself. Yeah. I say things, and it's just, I'm just, it's just obvious to me, you know. That's the only way I can put it. Intuitive flow of the moment. <laughs> yeah, um, and but I think that's quite important because I think as a business person, uh, you you need to follow your gut, yes. follow your gut, follow your nose. Um, do you think? Do you think it's as well? It's, it's getting more in touch with your gut because to follow it to, to, to follow it you need to I, I think a lot of people aren't um, they don't act in that way because they're almost disconnected in that way you've got to, you've got to build that relationship with yourself and with your um, build a relationship with yourself that's, a, that's an interesting point of view isn't it well yeah to, to, to be able to um, to be able to trust in that intuitive um, part of, of yourself that can uh, you know flow with those decisions well, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I think um, one of the things that um, certainly never ceases to amaze me is uh, how many people, particularly uh, you know, of say Molly age, don't really understand themselves, mm. and that's a serious limitation. I think. Yeah, I think um, it is a serious limitation. You know, I was having a conversation before the podcast today. Um, you know, uh, you know, I think you take me as a character. I've got. Uh, massive energy, enthusiasm, etc. Uh, that sometimes can come out negatively. Mm, you know, yeah. so I, I might get more disappointed than an average person would. What know? was it in the in the in the test yesterday? Uh, do you go all, all out, or uh, there was one question, and I was thinking, oh yeah, definitely all in, you're in. Yeah. <laughs> all in with it, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, but yeah, but, but but I think the thing that um, I, I one of the things I like about myself is I do know who I am. Mm. You know. I know what I stand for. I know what I won't put up with. Uh, I also uh, are very realistic about what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. Mm. You know, so you know, one of the things I often say to people is like, "Don't give me a piece of paper. That's not a good idea." Mm. You know, uh, never allow me to take as long as I want to do something. That's an even worse <laughs> idea because I never do it. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, you know, I, I have to live in almost a what's the word? Um, you know, we're, uh, I can't think. It's, 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 I, I, I have to work in a just-in-time world, so it's, it, you know, I have to do everything like straight away, almost. You know, yeah. Um, or uh, fall by the way. Or I have to to have a plan as to when I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so you know that that means, for instance, you know, scheduling in commitments. Um, you know, so 
looking at your diary uh, and, 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 and ruling out a, a whole day, you know, right, I've been to London on May the 9th or whatever it is. Um, and and if you do that, you know, you'll commit to it. So um, I think, um, you know, this, this, wrapping up, um, I think most, most it's interesting, you know, because the, the, the whole concept of Drew's podcast today probably assumes that people want to grow and I'm sure that some people don't. Mm. Um, there is a, a, a well-known saying is that uh, he who dares to stand still dares to fail. Mm. But of course you can stand still in a dynamic fashion. Mm. Um, Yoga. <laughs> uh, I'll give you an example of that I used to work with a business that was very good at what it did uh, and it didn't actually want to improve its turnover so what it did was it increasingly improved its customer base oh, Okay. so it didn't turn over more but it probably made more margin and it was a safer business do you know what I mean mm. so they working with better people but they weren't actually getting any bigger Yeah. that makes sense so I would call that dynamically standing still mm. You know, they're yeah. changing, but they're not getting bigger. Yes. But standing still in itself is a bad is a is a recipe for failure. I would suggest. Mm. So really, in 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 summary, there are a huge number of ways of growing. The best way to grow is commitment, customer service, and bloody effort, and doing something really well over and over and over again. Mm. If you've got a bit of money, that can help. Um, build up a team, collaborate. Collaborate's a smart way to grow. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I've had uh, a, a vast experience myself personally and probably the thing I enjoy, I always enjoy, as I call it, doing a deal. Uh, so I really love working on um, acquisitions uh, and I've on several occasions sold businesses for people because people trust me and it's been a very rewarding process. So uh, the Esperweight team here are here always to to help you um i'm always happy to receive uh, emails for instance like a guarantee a good reply or if you just need a chat um because you're not quite sure what to do then we will be there for you mm. um before i hand over to drew so uh today we're playing out with a really funky um tune so drew put me in some pressure this morning and said he wanted something to really rock out so uh, <laughs> um Apart from the music that you, some of you have got used to knowing that I like, um, I very much um, enjoy bass-driven music. You know, music that's got a really strong bass line in it, mm. which is one of the reasons why I like The Doors and The Stranglers so much, etc. Um, but in, in terms of more modern bands, you've got people like The Editors, who um, I know Carly really mm. likes as well, um, who are fantastic. Um, and a band today that, that, that really summed that up uh, Black Rebel Motor Club, BRMC. Really, really good stuff. So I think I picked a track today, which is Spread Your Love Like a Fever, which when you, just the first few bars, you exactly uh, exemplify what I was saying about bass. Uh, really fantastic band. So um, that's who I'm leaving with today, and I'm handing over to my fine friend, Mr. Drew. Ah, thank you, listeners. Enjoy this rock out on your Friday or Saturday, or whenever you're listening to this beautiful podcast. <laughs> and we will see you next week. Or here. Or hear us. You, yeah, you, you, you'll hear us next week. <laughs>